0: Podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to
1: mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. Yeah, happy uh, Friday afternoon.
0: Happy Friday afternoon, listeners. We're here. We're queer. No, we're not. I don't think we're that queer.
1: (laughs) We're a little weird. We're a little weird. Uh, I spent last night uh, for about 15 minutes sitting in a parking lot outside our band room because I forgot my my keys and I texted our singer who also said has a set of keys in the band room I was like I forgot my keys and he's like for what and I was like for practice he's like you mean tomorrow night <laughs> and I was like son of a bitch <laughs> so I ate a pathetic disgusting McDonald's cheeseburger I scarfed it down thinking I was going to be late and uh it turns out practices tonight not tomorrow so we could have recorded last night but i didn't realize you had school either so i didn't either (laughs) i thought i thought my class was on fridays i was wrong yeah on thursdays so you would like that class that i'm in what is it oh tell me uh, you got to tell me first before you go any further i need to hear about your book deal (laughs) (laughs) so
0: there's almost certainly going to be no book deal that's okay yeah anyway
1: but bide your time my friend
0: that's right this guy that i met with really nice guy
1: yeah
0: um he's doing some cool work in methodism and empire studies which i think we talked about it's in the can I i haven't put it up yet and um i chatted with him about my research and we made a connection via a guy who was at the conference and stuff he's like yeah research sounds really cool um, and he was kind of like, so the the book that we're putting together is is really spending more time focusing on kind of Methodism globally, and so um, and 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 so basically he was like he kind of asked me he was like, is is your research interested in how this is affecting conferences in say Africa? And I'm like, and I was like, honestly, no, I haven't, I haven't done that research. It, it, it just, it's just not on my radar right now. He's like, okay, well, um, the book's probably. He didn't really say it exactly like this, but he's like, well, that's what the <laughs> book's about. So like,
1: <laughs> I find like, that kind of, I find that kind of interesting in it of itself because of anything, I know about Methodism, it's not a monolith. Like, like the Catholic Church is a monolith. Right, it's like you go to Catholic churches in Bangladesh; they're the same as Catholic churches in the United States, uh, by and large. Right, there's not a whole lot of doctrinal differences. Like pretty much everybody marches to the same beat. That has not been my experience with Methodism at all. So I don't know how you could even do research on a global Methodist church that's so fragmented and and disparate. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I think that he's really interested in,
0: um, kind of the way Methodism, the flavors of Methodism outside of the United States, and the yeah. way in which it kind of, how it maybe mimic mimics patterns of like colonialism or, what it, what it diff- the different things it does, which I appreciate. I think it's a good. I think that's a worthy thing to write, and I'm I'm all for it. But he was like, he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to keep your your information in mind, um, because of just other writing opportunities that he he might have in the future." Right. Which I have no, it didn't it didn't sound like a like a dismissal. Didn't brush it you off, right? It wasn't like a brush off. It was more like a yeah, it doesn't look like you know this this research goes hand in hand with the project I'm working on. But but he's got his hands in a number of spaces, like different. I'm gonna say blogs, but it's more than that. Like, like official right. blogs, right? Not just like his blog. <laughs> <But he's> got- <laughs> it's not some. You're not worried about getting onto somebody's Twitter account, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, and I'm like, great, cool. So that's nothing's coming to that, which is yeah. okay. And then I'm still waiting to hear back from the Political Theology Network to see if they accepted my paper proposal, mm-hmm. um, which I might hear about later. You know, at the end of the month, I might, I might hear one way or the other. Um, and so that'll be cool. If I get that, that'd be great. Then I can write a paper and present it at at, at the online conference. It'll be cool. Cool.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't get to trip out of, trip to California out of it or anything, but I mean. <laughs> no, not right now. They, they, they would have it in Arizona.
0: Yeah. But I signed up for the online portion because I don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't want to do what I did this time, and have to try to secure um refunds that that American Airlines was definitely not going to give me. They were like, under no <laughs> circumstances, we're giving you your money back. I'm like, but That's why? Exactly. It's COVID. Like, come on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so much for the understanding from the business sector, right?
0: Yep. Just <laughs> the bottom line. That's all they care about, which I get. Yeah, ma'am. And then and then like classes are going well. I've started all my classes. My uh my class last night is called Evil and Suffering. Um
1: that does sound up my line. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: the readings look cool, which is the main reason I think you'd like it. And the professor, this is the first time I've had this professor. She's really great. She's she's very thoughtful and very like this is her thing. Like she she studies um
1: that's, like, she's, that's her thing like evil and suffering is her thing like yeah i don't know how that how, how well that goes in a bar you know <laughs> what do you do i do evil and suffering <laughs> yeah, i do evil and suffering that's what she okay, studies uh, i'm moving on then <laughs> right
0: like nice to meet you But like, <laughs> she studies like you can study it for 20 years she's like yeah i'm fascinated by it i'm fascinated by what we name when we name evil and what all that means and the depths of human suffering and but she's very sweet she's very nice and and um we've got people in the class like who are in there's this one dude who's in data science he studies data science and the master's level and he's like i took this class because i had to take a class outside of my department in order to graduate and he's gonna uh, be
1: on tech support a lot that's why yeah exactly
0: (laughs) and he's like and he's like, and, uh, you know, I just want to know if evil is real. And and she's like, why Why do you ask that? He's like, well, I don't know if evil is real. And she's like, well, I mean, I guess that's a good question to pose in a class on evil and suffering. But uh, we, <laughs> we will see, you know. And so it'll be good. I think it'll be fun. Ooh, sorry, um, listeners, I'm eating and drinking lunch at the <laughs> beginning of this. Don't worry.
1: We'll, we'll put an end to it soon. We'll be talking about evil and suffering a lot this next we, quarter, I guess. We might. We might. <laughs> we might.
0: I, I'm going to be, once once the reading goes live, i got to start doing some reading for that for next week. And we're reading Dostoevsky, uh, uh, an essay by Dostoevsky, who's a Russian uh, uh. novelist that I really like. If you've read Crime and Punishment in high school, you've read Dostoevsky.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I secretly love Crime and Punishment it's not it's it's one of those books that i'm like god i can't get enough of it i think it's great you know um but dostoyevsky is sort of this like if you've gone through the public school system listeners you essentially know Dostoevsky as the guy who wrote crime and punishment but right. like dostoyevsky is this actually rather brilliant russian christian thinker who who's like kind of explores all of his themes in all of his books you know and explores themes of god and suffering and and the human condition and the state and all of this but he's this russian orthodox christian who um as far as like christian russian christian thinkers go like People are like, well, Dostoevsky. We have Dostoevsky, and and like even like Frederick Nietzsche is like, well, yeah, it's true. You guys have Dostoevsky. <laughs> <That> guy, <laughs> Nietzsche is like Nietzsche's like a guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Dostoevsky, he's, he's pretty darn good. And uh, and so we're reading a an essay he wrote called Rebellion, where he he's I haven't read it yet, but I know a bit about it, where he just talks about um, he, he he thinks that evil, like the existence of evil in the world is is the argument for why we should is, is really the only valid argument for total rebellion against God's world order like like, like if there's one thing God should be able to, to fucking figure out is evil
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and,
0: and, Dost- and Dostoevsky's a Christian writer and so like it's interesting to have him sort of wrestle with evil while still not and, and say things like that while still not sort of being this atheist thing it's why it's why Nietzsche liked him Nietzsche's like Nietzsche's like he's the only faithful Christian on planet earth because he's he agrees with me while still being a Christian you know it's interesting. <laughs> so I'm excited for that
1: mm-hmm. I always get I always get uh confused about things whenever people start talking about the nature of evil and the nature of suffering because I, I just don't believe that uh that it's separate from, I don't think it's different from everything else. I just think it's maybe consequential of it. It's it's what makes me think about God maybe not caring as much about us as we think He does. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. It, it just you know when there's a a leopard eating a, a gazelle, you know, there it's just it's just under the same auspices that God has created us in. So. <laughs> You know, do you call it evil or do you call it lunch? Right? Sure. So, I don't know. I have to explore that dichotomy a little bit more whenever, <laughs> once you've finished your Goyevsky. You be... Yeah, we'll
0: have to. I, we'll if... have to
1: ask. We, we, could, we could ask Meatloaf. You saw Meatloaf died yesterday. Oh,
0: yeah. Poor Meatloaf. Yeah. Didn't yeah I, think get...
1: I, I think I read.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to get the jab. Yep.
1: I think I read that he died of COVID complications. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that was like, well, if I die, I die. Well, you died. So <laughs> I don't have a whole, is that evil? I don't know. I think it's just kind of karma. <laughs> we'll switch to Eastern philosophy, right? All right. <laughs> what do you think about that? Would you classify something as evil or would you classify something like this like unfortunate? <laughs> and, and how do you distinguish between the two? Well... I think for me, if,
0: if for me personally, I would say that Meatloaf's death was uh him being very stupid. And uh and, and he, oh, he was been... also
1: he was also seventy-four and huge. I mean
0: that's true too.
1: I wouldn't classify that
0: as evil, personally for me. Parts of the Christian tradition that I really respect would disagree with me on that. And so I kind of am in this kind of strange mode of uh you know, mode of thinking when it comes to like that situation or a situation like that. Dostoevsky would say, I don't know if he would say it in this essay I'm going to read, but any example of human suffering or really creaturely suffering at all, it's not just humans. Dostoevsky cared a shit ton about humanity. He was an existentialist in that way, but but would point to any kind of human, any kind of creaturely suffering. He would say that uh, creaturely suffering, particularly innocent creaturely suffering, particularly the suffering of children, if it were to be in God's plan, and if God were to use it to do, like, like use it on purpose, not just that God could happen to use it to make good, but like, if its existence was purposeful towards God's good intention... Um, Dostoevsky would say that that is a good enough reason to like, give back your entrance ticket into heaven and be like, you know what? Fuck you. you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and, and in this case, like, and maybe that's what the essay will be about. Like in this case, it's a true rebellion. That's sort of one of the things that, that commentators and Dostoevsky find really compelling about his argument is that, rather than so like somebody like frederick nietzsche nietzsche doesn't believe in god it's not really rebellion for nietzsche to to be like yeah you know fuck fuck the light of heaven i don't give a shit like like nietzsche didn't believe in it so like for right. nietzsche it's it's just it's just par for the course for somebody like dostoevsky as a as a devout christian person um to say that there is something you know to say not that god isn't real not that that God is even working towards goodness. You know, Dostoevsky believes both of those things. Dostoevsky says, though. However, if if God works towards goodness using the suffering of children, then we yeah. should re- we should rebel against that God. <laughs> yeah. We we should right. we should storm the light of heaven, or say no, you don't get to have me. I choose somewhere else. Like I choose right. damnation over there.
1: Right. Um, I think that'd the- be. I think I'd be uh, with Dostoevsky on that yeah. philosophy. Yeah,
0: yeah, I would too. I, like, <laughs> like I, I really would. I, I, I find, I find that sort of moral reason to moral reasoning to be unassailable. I'm right. like, yeah, like absolutely. Even if it, even if it works out, and and he, he, in some of his writing, I don't know if he'll do it in this one, but in some of his writing, he goes for it. He's like, even if it's just one, even if it's just one child that you that that you create peace on the back of it, that child suffering it is worth giving up your entrance ticket into heaven and 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 fully rebelling against that god's world order and dostoevsky comes to the conclusion in his writing you know for himself like like as like how does dostoevsky work with it as a christian he he comes to the conclusion that that sort of definition of evil evil from a you know what evil is um is that which has no purpose like it's sort of the only thing only way dostoevsky can kind of sort of reason morally out out of the trap that he sees right like he says well evil then has to be that which is useless that that which has no um there is no redemption for it there is no purpose behind it
1: so Um, would he would he say there's no such thing as a greater good
0: yeah actually i I think this is what makes dostoevsky's position rather um rather extreme and also really compelling like he he rejects sort of utilitarian visions of the world entirely um at least as best as he can you know and 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 he says and he says no the, the there is no greater good. there is simply the good. if God were to create the greater good based off of the, the suffering of 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 anyone but in particular for dostoevsky an innocent right. um that is that that is a sign that says that morally we must rebel against that god's world order and we 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 can't go forward into the kingdom of heaven any kingdom of heaven that is created on the back of human suffering is not the kingdom of heaven for dostoevsky um and and so for him he, so he, he would, would
1: say that that jesus's suffering was pointless actually he might he might say that
0: he well he rejects so he's a russian orthodox thinker and 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 this is this is a difference between a sort of a protestant worldview and and the orthodox worldview okay. um protestants tend to imagine the crucifixion as the sort of site of redemption and the and Eastern Orthodox folks do not. Eastern Orthodox folks imagine Christmas as the site of redemption, right? Uh, and so Jesus's suffering um, is something that Orthodox folks reflect on. It's it's not that it's unimportant. It's just that it's not salvific. It is it is sort of the um, the consequence of what happens when God enters into the world. For for somebody like Dostoevsky, he would say. Dostoevsky might actually explores this in his book The Brothers Karamazov. He said uh, no, I'm wrong. He explores this in a book he wrote called The Idiot. You should definitely read that book. It's yeah, this- I
1: was going to call you on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> did, did you did you read The Idiot? Have you read no, The Idiot? I, I've never read anything. So <laughs> so like Dostoevsky writes this book called The Idiot. And um and it's a and, and it's it, it's supposed to be this allegory about what would happen if jesus returns um in 19th century russian society and and dostoevsky comes to the conclusion that if jesus were to return to 19th century you know russian society he would be looked at as this yeah. idiot he, you know like like what is the yeah. fuck is wrong with this idiot you know who who yeah. can't who can't see the greater good who can't see you know things like uh, real politic or power or or stuff like that but is instead this this moron who who walks around with no money and, and who treats hateful people with love you know like like who, who is this dummy and so for and this is this is frankly just good russian orthodox thinking on on the person of jesus you know who who why is jesus crucified jesus is crucified because when god shows up in the world the world's response is to murder god like 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 yeah. that's that's the point you know um we protestants imagine you know our, our in our theological dna we imagine that the crucifixion is sort of this site of redemption and i'm okay with that like if, if it's worded in a certain way but the ortho- Russian Orthodox folks, you know, do not. They, they sort of see it as just a part of the drama um, of, of God's coming into the earth. And so, the yeah.
1: Protestant belief would be that Jesus died for our sins and the Orthodoxy would be we died because we're sinners.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great way to put it. You know, the, the Eastern Orthodox mm-hmm. Christian folks would, would be way quicker to, to say something like that that and so for dostoevsky yes jesus's suffering is is um meaningless in that there is no purpose behind it you know it's it's a it's not as though god said and now i i i make jesus suffer in order to bring about X, you know, no. G- why does Jesus suffer? Well, there's reasons why the world, you know, crucifies Jesus, but but there's no ultimate reason. You know, yeah. there there's these little proximate petty reasons, but there is no ultimate reason f- for Dostoevsky, um, and that's the point. Like like there is no ultimate reason um for the suffering of say a child for the suffering of an 8 year old girl there is no there is no ultimate reason if an 8 year old girl gets cancer tomorrow there is no ultimate reason behind that and for Do- and dostoevsky would say that he'd be like there is no ultimate reason
1: um but he would call that evil he would call it evil yeah see i don't um, know that i would call that yeah. evil because i think and not that i'm the, a paragon of philosophy or anything but <laughs> i think that evil requires a bit of will right? So like, um, a gazelle being eaten by a leopard, (laughs) right? That's not evil. That's just, that's just nature taking its course. An eight-year-old girl contracting a fatal illness like cancer or something like that isn't necessarily evil. I mean, it sucks. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't suck. I'm just saying it's not evil, right? Evil is the willful, Us bringing this is why I said earlier in our our, some of our older podcasts about how I think like we create evil, like Mm -hmm. because we we bring it about on purpose, like Hitler's murdering six million Jews is evil because like that was an act that was chosen to on purpose to do right is it wasn't just like one of those naturally occurring things that just sort of happens that sucks. You know, getting hit by lightning sucks, but it's not evil, right? There, I think there's a big, a, a distinction to be drawn between like bad shit happening and intentional shit happening, and I think that's where the line can be drawn for classifying something as evil. Now, Dostoyevsky might disagree with me and say that, oh, well, these things are all part of creation, therefore they're all, you know, part of God's creation, and I, I, I don't know if I. I don't know if I concur with that. Sure.
0: Sure. So you've identified something in the Western Christian tradition. Dostoevsky is not a part of the Western. She's a part right. of the Eastern Christian right. tradition. Right. In the Western Christian tradition, we we often differentiate between moral evil and natural evil. Right. And what, and what you've described is natural evil. You know, uh, this sort of, this sort of, why do we call it evil? Well, we call it evil because of the kind of suffering that it brings upon human beings. And, and there's a sense in which um, um, we might say, if, if a horrible accident of, of the weather you know, mur- kills our loved one, um, our response to that might be similar to if a human being murders our loved one with, with, a, with a gun. We 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 still we still feel the pain. You know, the pain is we the still pain feel is the there. pain,
1: but we feel the pain differently. One one yeah. is like grief yeah. and one is anger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? I think
0: that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, we the Western tradition just just still calls it evil. We just label it differently in terms right. of natural evil or moral evil. Natural evil is what you're describing. You know, the, this this kind of the the kind of day to day unfortunateness <laughs> you know, yeah. of, of, of existence. Um, Dostoevsky would say, I think Dostoevsky might say, that there's no such thing as natural evil, that that everything is moral evil, even those unfortunate things. And, and it's precisely because of Dostoevsky's um, vision of creation as being sort of um, uh, more than sort of machinery the western christian tradition at times has a hard time um with seeing nature as more than kind of living robots sometimes we have a hard time with that um not always i certainly do
1: yeah yeah i would say anybody that has like a, a a scientific background wants wants the machinery to be in place right because the machinery can be explained it can be predicted it can be replicated and it's comforting right like it's in a in a way um faith is is frightening because it's not concrete right Right. so the machinery Mm -hmm. the 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 machinery of nature is uh more palpable absolutely absolutely
0: and and it's to me as well you know I'm, i'm sort of we're sort of baked into that into that mindset Dostoevsky comes from a very different background, um, mm-hmm. even as a even even as a modern, even as his 19th century guy who's effectively post enlightenment, you know, all that stuff. Like he's as this Eastern Christian thinker um, sees in creation a kind of a, a a morality sort of throughout creation. This is why uh, Gregory of Nyssa, also an Eastern thinker. You know, folks that I like, you know, have a hard time with with saying, um, "What am I trying to say?" We, we'll, we'll we'll say things like, um, "There, we'll see in creation the, the kind of drenching of of God's presence and and the drenching of of a kind of a of a of a telos of an end to creation. Creation, creation is ordered towards the good, as far as Gregory of Nyssa is concerned, and and for a lot of western thinkers you know kind of by the at least by thomas aquinas and by the close to the enlightenment to the medieval period the west is like oh maybe it's not you know maybe only human beings are oriented towards the good maybe maybe the rest of creation isn't and 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 it's just sort of neutral you know at, at and and stuff like that Dostoevsky's she's like no that's ridiculous like but it's but <laughs> precisely
1: because I would like to talk to him then because I want to understand why that's (laughs) how that's ridiculous. I mean, if you all you have to do is observe like the environment, observe our history, observe, uh, look around you. Everything is geared towards entropy, right? Everything is coming apart slowly (laughs) and it's always been that way. So I don't understand how someone uh, tell me more about Dostoevsky's philosophy (laughs) then because it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand how he sees it that way. I can do my best. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I,
0: I can talk a you little bit You brought him up, so you're I the know one that I has I to carry the
1: I, candle now. It is my fault.
0: Um <laughs> I can talk about the Eastern tradition sort of in general. Like so right. which Dostoevsky lives in. Like so the Eastern tradition in general has, like I said, this kind of very creaturely vision of the whole of the entirety of creation they it's not as though they're sort of disenchanted or not connected to western philosophy or stuff like that it's just like their their emphases are different Cre- creation is um concrete yes but it doesn't really follow rules in the same sort of way or rather the rules that are in place are followed the same way we sort of follow rules that are in place like we have certain kinds of will and certain kinds of um, creativity in our, in our lives that allow us to push and prod and, and innovate. And so there's a sense for a lot of Eastern Orthodox thinkers where they're, they're really sort of, okay. Like on one hand, Eastern Orthodox thinkers never were against evolution and they are like, like you would be hard pressed to find an Eastern Orthodox thinker who felt um, like, uh nervous about say like darwin
1: they'd
0: right. be like yeah well, of course
1: let's be let's be clear most western thinkers aren't against that either that's a, you're right. a relatively small segment of people that, that are clinging to that for social power not not because they thought about it
0: you're correct you're <laughs> correct but like but like there's there really has been no like anti-science movement in the eastern church nowadays there are but that's just because you know, the entropy. right, 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 <laughs> right wing nut jobs are everywhere, but like historically, historically, there's not really any of that. Um, so when the Eastern church, so, so let me dial it back. So because of that, there is a sense then in which, and, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, there's a sense then in which the entropy that you're talking about is um, uh, a bug Right, like it's not a feature mm-hmm. of creation. We would call that the fall, you know. Right. Like, uh, although a lot of folks in the West sort of wouldn't, like a lot because a lot of Western folks, sort of the Western theologians, adopt more of a mechanical view of nature. There, there's that sort of idea of death being a part of the fall or entropy being a part of the fall. Sort of gets smoothed over in the Western in Western thinking, and we just think about other things um, in the Eastern thought it's very much part of the fall and because things like death and suffering and entropy are part of the fall dostoevsky is able kind of as he reflects on god and evil in in his work is able to to say something like this insight of the eastern christian tradition is true a, he confesses it's true because he's an, he's a Christian in that way, but B, it, it's true. It, we have to affirm its truth; otherwise, the kind of moral dimension of God, what we claim God is, um, will be demonstrated to be false. You know, like <laughs> it seems like yeah. a circular argument, but like it's really just a <laughs> theological argument. Like theology begins with what we know about God and then goes after that, whereas another form of discourse starts in another place. And so for Dostoevsky, he has no problem naming all of this tremendous evil and suffering. And in his books, he he is not shy about suffering. Like he, he does not present a rosy picture. It's bleak right. shit. Um, for Dostoevsky, he presents the sort of the reality of evil and suffering as human beings experience it. And then, and, and looks it in the eye and then, essentially says not that it's an illusion but that it's um, the way it fits in our kind of worldview, the way it fits in um, our linear narratives of our lives is not um, it's not a feature, it's a bug. It ruptures up and, and, and sort of ruins the way in which human beings are, are meant to live and are supposed to live. And so, any attempt to find comfort in, say, the meaningfulness of one's suffering, Dostoevsky would say, you, you you've already committed both a moral failure and a theological failure. If if suffering has meaning, it means that God has that means that it's a part like like ultimate meaning. It means that it's a part of God's plan for the world. Which makes God not just a, a a dick, but it makes God a baby murderer. It makes God, and, and it and it and it and it calls into question every single thing that the Christian tradition essentially says about God as being true. Uh, God of love, God of mercy, God of justice, all this stuff. Um, and for Dostoevsky, as he reflects on it in in his life, like as he reflects on it existentially. There's a sense in his work, um, and I, I, I tend to think that there's something to this that that we, we don't spend enough time in. When Dostoevsky reflects on it, sort of personally, like existentially, he he says um, it takes a great amount of labor to come to the conclusion that that um, human suffering and evil. Um, is just sort of a part of the narrative. Like we have to be trained to think that way, um, but instead, but in our own lives, we experience it as a rupture. Um, if I, if if the next day I woke up and turned to my wife and saw she was dead, it would hurt horribly. But not only would it not only would it cause me immense grief, it is incomprehensible because there's a sense in which even though we know we will die. Um, death ruptures into our lives, uh, no matter what, we can't really be ready for it. We can't really be like, yes, well, she died, you know, <laughs> like, like instead yeah. it's it's a, she, she's dead, it's all over, it's done, you know, and, and, and my life has been ruptured into, and then we must go through the process in order to, to find meaning in it. We have to invent and create and do all of this. For Dostoevsky, he's like, mm, there's just no meaning. That's that's why it's evil. That's why suffering is evil too. Like in Dostoevsky's mind, it's because there's no yeah. meaning for it. There's no ultimate. Well, I
1: I, I understand what you're saying. I don't mm. understand. I don't understand how one can draw that conclusion that there's no meaning to it. I mean, obviously, we draw meaning out of tragedies to comfort ourselves, sure. right? But I don't think it can be argued that there are um, things, things can be improved or get better based on tragedies, right? So what I mean is like um, take for example, like a plane crash, right? The reason we have an NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, is is so that they can go in and examine what happened and if there's other if there's a problem that can be repaired and replaced and fixed or corrected, then that same fate won't happen to other people, right? Now if a plane crash happens and a bunch of people die, of course, it's horrible. It's a terrible thing, and we're not trying to dr- draw meaning out of it, like these people died so that others may live. Nothing like that. But to say that they that there's nothing gained from it, I think is just a failure in observation, because like we know now that uh, you know this component is weak or this component doesn't work properly, and and for everyone else after that fact, they benefit in a way, from the deaths of those individuals on that plane. And that's an extreme example. But the point is, like, I, I don't see a problem with, with gleaning meaning or, or, or advancing our uh, knowledge based on observing a tragedy. Uh, to say somebody died for no reason, well, that's not – I don't see how you can draw that conclusion. And to say that it's meaningless – is it seems it seems a little obtuse to me can you sure. can you go a little further on that because i'm I'm just having trouble wrapping my head around his philosophy of it
0: right right i can do my best so i, I don't disagree with you at all i think in what you're saying i think that dostoevsky wants to rem- if dostoevsky were here he'd probably say something like um you want to get your uh the cause and effect correct right okay and so he would say right he he would. I don't think he would use the language of ultimate meaning. I'm I'm sort of using that language, but right. I think he would agree with it. He would agree with it. Um, if we were to say that the reason why these folks died on the plane was to protect future fl- flights was to protect future people on future flights, Joseph would be like, no. yeah i would not agree with that
1: and and i would and i know you wouldn't like i would agree with well these people died because of this and because they died we are able to ascribe some meaning to not to say that we sacrificed them so that other people could live that's not what i mean but like there is a meaning to it there is a there is uh not i guess it's a result like we learn from the results right right
0: right and dostoevsky would agree with that I, I think that right. he would he would want to push back on your use of the word meaning, um, right. and and would say yeah like there's there are, there are things that um, good can come, has the potential to come from suffering and evil it, it, it can but that for Dostoevsky doesn't justify suffering and evil.
1: Okay, I, I'm I'm starting to get it. <laughs> right, right.
0: Like like he he'd be like he'd be like well yes like something good can happen from this but that is not a good enough reason to allow suffering and evil and right. that and that's sort of the theodicy argument he's making the the argument of because theodicy is just the fancy word for um the the problem of evil in light of a good god like the that work that he's doing he he wants to say there is no justifying god here like it, that there the, if the task is how can there be evil and suffering in the world and a good and all-powerful god how can those things go together Dostoevsky would say it's actually very simple they the only way that um uh question makes sense is if you assume that evil and suffering have some somehow some kind of ultimate purpose in light of god um and and for Dostoevsky he wants to say There is no ultimate purpose to suffering and evil. There is no stamp of approval. Are there things that can happen from a creaturely perspective that are good after a tragedy? Yes, sure. But that doesn't mean that God allowed evil so that that good thing can happen. For Dostoevsky, the definition of evil is that which has no purpose. So if I were to you know using the language of meaning and purpose through as Dostoevsky would use it Dostoevsky writes his books for the purpose of perpetuating his philosophy having russian people think through things whatever um mm-hmm. there is an ultimate well
1: if anybody knows about suffering it should
0: be the russian people <laughs> it should be the russian people that's right you know and 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 for dostoevsky be like hey like there, there is an ultimate purpose for this for and remember he's he's an Orthodox Christian, He's an Eastern Orthodox Christian. And so when he says what when, when he's thinking about meaning and purpose in creation, he has in mind what what the church teaches is the the meaning and purpose of creation, which is to be united with God. like like that's why why is there why is there stuff? Well, there's stuff so that we can be united with God. Like that's mm-hmm. why there's stuff. God said, God wants to give God's life to something that is not God. And so God creates in order to do that. That is the ultimate meaning and purpose. Um, evil, for Dostoevsky, does not does, that is not what it does. Evil does not work to make that purpose happen. It is purposeless. And because it is purposeless, that is what makes it evil. That is what gives it its chaotic, its, its, its sort of abyssal, you know like like puzzlement you know <laughs> like like as we as we think about the holocaust we can come up with 80 reasons for the holocaust but but like when we really look at pictures of people in auschwitz we sort of go mm, there's really nothing we can say about this like like yeah. we it's, it's it's so evil it's so it's so purposeless you know, all of the purposes we can come up with that the Nazis came up with to do this sort of mean nothing in light of the fact that we're looking at a dying child. Mm-hmm. God, it's, it doesn't mean anything. And for Dostoevsky, he wants to affirm that because the moment we say, no, there, there can be a meaning here, an ultimate meaning, then that is, that, then we're starting to talk about the ultimate and and if evil is found in the ultimate even if it's to bring about good um we we are dealing with a cthulhu monster like 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 that's what Dostoevsky. he wouldn't say that but he'd be like we're dealing with something that is not the source of existence we're dealing with something um if it is a source of existence something that we need to fucking murder and find a better source of existence
1: Let me posit this to you then you'd mentioned about how, you know, the the point of creation is for for God to give life to things that are not God. Right. Mm-hmm. If if every if the point is to join with God, be one with God, um, it would seem that 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 separation has to be like if if God is the infinite, all knowing, all powerful entity, force, whatever Um in order to be separated from that there would have to be some sort of hierarchy right god couldn't give himself totally up to another thing or that would just be god some more right i see what so you're saying you, sure yeah you, yeah you would have to have some sort of separation some sort of distance between the origin point and that which follows it right sure what if what if that is what we're terming as evil is simply God's way of fragmenting his essence so that there is a difference, a separation between the one true right and good and that which follows it. Because if you eliminate all that, if you eliminate all the negativity, if you eliminate all the, the that which we define as evil, wouldn't you just be God again? Once you just sure. re, reabsorbed back into that one entity, there wouldn't be a fracture or, or wouldn't be a separation. There wouldn't be a creation because there wouldn't be anything to be created against. Right. Like, I see so it's sort of like, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know about happiness if there wasn't sadness. Right. And you wouldn't know about joy if there wasn't sorrow, these, these sorts of things. So maybe that is the essence in which God, how God creates by, by allowing these sort of things to separate us from him it whatever pronoun you want to use what do you think about that
0: i think that's uh interesting
1: i think that <laughs>
0: i i do i i think that there are there are folks who would agree with you and i don't, I don't i'm not think... saying that's the way
1: it is it just sounds no no kinda... I, I know what you're saying
0: um i think that there's some wisdom in that right like so like i think that for a lot of christian philosophers particularly early christian philosophers, this. Um, Question of the one and the many, which is sort of what you're bringing forward, it w- was a really important question for them difference and unity. And, and, and is difference a problem? Like, like it, so for a lot of pagan Greek philosophy, um, difference is a problem, difference, multiplicity is an issue, diversity is a problem. Like, because the one um, is perfect and And this sort of uh, fragmentariness of of material existence is not good. Um, and so there's this sort of live tradition of Greek pagan thought of them trying to figure out how to get back there's this There's this Greek word called Henosis,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which uh, some um pagan philosophers would say is is what we need to go for. And Henosis is this notion of of the material world. Um, coming back together with the one um, and, and becoming uh, one Heno, you know, the, the sort right. of um, what, what used to be diverse is now just one thing. And, and that one thing is, is the one. And so the material world sort of ceases to be other and, and comes back into the one that, that is juxtaposed to the sort of ancient Christian notion of theosis um which is this notion of creation uh, sort of coming uh back into um, communion with god and and there's some folks who i think are un- ungenerously attempt to say that henosis and theosis are the same thing there's there's no difference and i think that's ungenerous i i just don't i don't see any evidence of that in ancient christian thinking like christians christians have to adopt a jewish notion of creation as being essentially other than god that we do like like it's it's built into the hebrew scriptures before the new testament existed all christians only read the hebrew scriptures like like we we adopt this this sort of jewish hebraic notion of creation and god being two different things and 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 God, and God having no interest in, in something otherwise, like, like no interest in right. creation disappearing. Um, and so we adopt that and we begin to say, well, what is this sort of image? What, how can we imagine creation being unified with God without um, getting rid of difference? Um, because that's sort of the problem then. Christian, Ancient Christian philosophers Against these sort of pagan philosophers half are, are obliged to say difference in multiplicity is good because our scriptures tell us that creation is good, and so we, we, we can't just say no, it's bad because it's hard right and so what we end up what a lot of Christian philosophers pull on is is this is this image of the burning bush from the story of Moses right. Um, And they say the burning bush is sort of this microcosm of what creation being infused with and being unified to God will look like. The bush is a light with fire. And it doesn't consume the bush. The bush isn't consumed in the fire. But the fire and the bush are one. They're together while still sort of not being the same thing and and for a lot of these christian thinkers that's sort of the vision of theosis the vision of theosis is creation is still creation and it is a light with the life of god as if it was the burning bush um and so for them the this the the kind of uh uh, dichotomies that you're drawing that i think are interesting and and there for for them that is that, that that would be um unnecessary um it's, it's a pure plus create for creation to experience joy and happiness and unity with God. Creation doesn't need to experience pain and suffering and disunity. Uh, it does, but that is, that is what God overcomes in Jesus. That's sort of the point. The point then of Jesus is God overcomes that by, by intimately sort of, touching down with creation in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, uh, that That's a sort of an Eastern way of talking it through. Like it, it's not totally anathema to the West. I quite like it, but like, that would be a very Dostoyevsky uh, thing. I'm not sure I understand him. <laughs> he, he is, uh, you know, and I don't either. I don't fully either. Like, like, I think that something that has always attracted me to Dostoyevsky by way of maybe wrapping this part up, is is how unflinching he is he really is like in his book the brothers karamazov which is sort of his last book he um has one of the characters ivan uh talk to his brother so ivan is this atheist in the book and is one of his brothers um aloysia is is a a priest is an orthodox priest and they're they're having this debate uh, a similar debate than what we're talking about now and and Ivan begins to tell Aloysia stories of all of this suffering and, and it's tremendously evil, awful stuff that Ivan is, is sort of laying at Aloysia's feet, like to, to, to justify. Right. And, and Dostoevsky isn't making any of this up. He famously uses um, newspaper clippings from Moscow, <laughs> you know, yeah. of, of, of death and famine and all and he, and he just says ivan described these things in this in the news in these newspaper clippings or or of uh soldiers um he, at one point he describes soldiers uh, tearing infants from their mothers as they're as they're feeding from their mother's breasts and and making the and trying to get the infants to laugh you know, and, and they start laughing and mimicking like smiles. And then only when they're laughing and smiling will uh, with is is when the soldiers bayonet them to death. Like, and these are things that happen in Russia. Yeah. And, and Ivan's like, justify that. Tell me about God. You know, like, yeah. like when, when that happens, tell me about God. And and Ivan famously says that 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 this is this is the part of the book where where Dostoevsky has Ivan say it like, if God created universal happiness on the death of that baby, then I will hand my ticket to heaven back to him, Mm -hmm. and I will and I will fare somewhere else. I don't want anything to do with this. Like like it's 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 a powerful argument, and that's what I like about Dostoevsky. Mm -hmm. Even though his vision for sort of the world is what i would call an enchanted vision like dostoevsky has no problems imagining demons and angels and fairies and and you know he has mm-hmm. no problems imagining this kind of world of many um forces you know and i do that too to a degree but dostoevsky imagines it way more than i do um he he's still such a penetrating sort of moral thinker like because i find myself unable to argue with that right like I really can, like I find myself not able to argue with, the, at least from the God perspective, right? Like, well, I
1: I understand, wants. but but I don't understand um, why. I think I think for me, the explanation is um, he's just not that into you, right? <laughs> the The explanation is that our perception of God isn't a fully realized or fully informed perception of God. like we don't we as individuals we as children don't understand the grand scheme of things and perhaps like children we assign our own um and i see this with my daughter i'm sure you see it with your daughter we assign our we, we assign our own wants our own needs our own uh Circumstances as like the most important thing, and we neglect to understand the broader circumstances around us and I think that um it's it's helpful to me in terms of understanding this to recognize that like maybe i'm just not as big a deal as I think I am <laughs> right sure. maybe maybe i'm just not as important as I think I am, and that's not, not to say that I'm not important it's just to say that you know um there are there are bigger things going on like <laughs> to, to make it a very simplified argument like god has to keep planets from bumping into each other they don't have time to worry about whether or not you know i pay the electric bill this week or or whether or not the steelers win this week which they didn't they got murdered like i told you but <laughs> but the point is like it's helpful to me to, I'm, I'm i'm more comfortable understanding that like It's it's not all about me. And for and for some people, that's hard to hear, (laughs) I think. But uh, I I think for me, it gives me a little a little comfort, a little leeway. I don't have to defend God on what, you know, why soldiers are bayoneting babies like God doesn't have anything to do with it because God's not. Like worried about that level of stuff. That's a human thing. That's something that we need to handle on our own. That's not something that we should be, you know, falling on our knees and waiting for someone to come and deliver us.
0: Sure. Do you sure. Do
1: you understand what I'm saying? I
0: like, do. I do. But I I also want to remind you that like, that particularly that last thing you said, like like very few Christians in the history of the tradition would say that that is what we need to do. You know, like right. very few Christians would say, no, no. In the face of such evil, what we need to do is sit on their knees and beseech God to, to put an end to it. Like, and that's right. it, you know, like Dostoevsky definitely wouldn't say that. You but, know,
1: he... but, they, but those are the same people that would claim that God's all powerful and that God can do whatever God wills at any time. Sure. And, and, and that's what begs that question. Then why would God, that's why Ivan comes to his brother Aloysius, whatever his name was, mm. and says, well, explain this to him. You know, if, if God's all powerful, God is love and good and beauty and all these things, then how could something like this be allowed to transpire under his watch? Right? Maybe we're just not under his watch. Sure. Maybe God maybe go. God gave maybe God gave us this planet, God gave us our lives, God gave us our independence, our freedom, God gave us our our individuality, our our will. And God says, All right you're on your own. <laughs> right? If you want to come back to my house, if you want to come and visit on Christmas, cool, you know, <laughs> but like for the most part, you wanted freedom. You wanted independence. You wanted an experience, knowledge, whatever. Go figure it out. That to me is more comforting than, than, uh, having everything sort of scripted. If that, if that sure. makes sense. Right. Right. Like, and I don't have a problem with um, asserting my responsibility in the world, knowing that I want the world to be more like what God has, you know, designed. I want the world to be more like that. It's on me. It's on me to make that happen. Well, that, and I I think uh, it gives me, it gives me a little bit of, um, Autonomy, yeah. If that if that makes sense, like it gives me some. I can assert some control. It's not that that I have to deliver all of my will and my condition to another thing. I was given life. I was given freedom. I was given knowledge, and I have the autonomy to do what I what I want to. What it happens to be that I want. Uh, I think, for the most part, what Jesus wants. Right. Sure. So like and I think that it's more important to, for God. Like, uh, Let's put it this way. If I were God, I wouldn't want to tell you to love. God. Sure. Right. I would want you to develop that on your own. Yeah, that's yeah. And, and and the only way to do that is to let you fail. Right. To let you to let you make mistakes, to let you do your own thing and kind of come to that realization and grow up on your own right Mm -hmm. rather than me directing every step for you uh that's not really as rewarding as you kind of doing it yourself right so i think maybe there there's an um with god we refer to god as the father right well i'm a father and i don't tell my kid what to do every second i tell her what to do i give her lots of instructions, (laughs) but like she's She's her own creature. And I, right. my, my role as the father is to make her the best that she can be. And I, sure. at times she's going to fail. She's going to make mistakes. She's going to screw up. And my job is to be there for her when that happens and forgive her or aid her or whatever. And that's my role as a father. I think that's why it's a, a good analogy for God as a father, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. this is same same sort of thing it's more meaningful in an existence to to kind of make these decisions and kind of formulate your your life and your reality with your own with your own will right now we don't always get what we want that's not what i mean but we have the power to affect what happens um which would suck if you if you were just like in this hierarchy, where your your role was down here and that role was up there, and all you were to do is serve that thing. What's interesting about God and what's interesting about Jesus is He says, "No, no, don't serve Me. Serve each other." Sure. <laughs> you know, sure. and it, and then He puts the responsibility on us mm-hmm. to do that, mm-hmm. which makes us stronger, better, happier, et cetera. Yeah, makes sense. It does.
0: It does. I like it. I like it. That'll be the final word. In a, <laughs> okay. in a in a uh heavy uh, but still very good episode. Yeah, stuck at Dostoevsky. Stuck it <laughs> yeah, you're wrong, Dostoevsky. Yet again, we proved him wrong.
1: We proved him wrong.
0: Uh friends, thanks for listening. This has been an episode of Fuga Chats with Matt and Ethan. We will see you next time.